Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. In this short episode, you're going to learn about baby aspirin in pregnancy, why we prescribe it, and whether or not you should be taking it. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Whether you are a new listener or you've been here before, I am so grateful you're spending some time with me today. So I want to talk about baby aspirin in pregnancy because I get asked about this quite a 
bit. And the short answer to why baby aspirin is prescribed in pregnancy and is it safe is yes, it's safe. And it's prescribed in order to reduce the risk of preeclampsia. So what exactly is preeclampsia? Preeclampsia is a potentially dangerous complication in pregnancy that is characterized by high blood pressure. If that top number for the blood pressure, the systolic blood pressure is above 140 that or 140 or above, that is concerning. If it's 160 or above, that is very concerning. If the diastolic blood pressure, the bottom number for the blood pressure is 90 or above or 110 and above, that's very concerning as well. Preeclampsia usually begins after 20 weeks of pregnancy and it's in women whose blood pressure was previously normal. And the issue with preeclampsia is that it can lead to serious and in rare cases, even fatal complications for both moms and babies. Now, I talked about how it's characterized by high blood pressure. Again, that top number being 140 or above, at 160 is very concerning, 90 or above is concerning, 110 or above is very concerning for the bottom number. There can also be protein in the urine. And then the thing about preeclampsia is that it can affect other organ systems in the mom's body. It can cause decreased blood platelets. Platelets are what help our blood clot. And in the severe form of preeclampsia, these will be decreased. Severe preeclampsia can affect the kidney, can affect the liver, can affect the lungs, and can affect the brain. Now, in addition to blood pressure and the protein in the urine, some other symptoms that may be concerning for preeclampsia, it doesn't mean that you have preeclampsia, but if you have these and you do need to be mindful of what your blood pressure is. If you have new changes in your vision, like blurred vision or spots in your vision, that's concerning. If you have a headache that is different than what it has been and it is not relieved, by taking over-the-counter medicine like Tylenol, then that is concerning. If the headache is relieved or gets better by taking Tylenol, then generally that is not as concerning for preeclampsia. But if it sticks around despite taking medication, that's concerning. If you have pain in the upper part of your belly, that can be a sign of the more severe form of preeclampsia. That can be a sign that it is affecting the liver. Swelling used to be a more prominent symptom of preeclampsia, but it's not considered quite so prominent anymore because swelling in pregnancy, especially towards the end of pregnancy, is extremely common. Um, so you can have swelling of the face, hands, and feet with preeclampsia, but that doesn't get our alarm bells going up as as much. If it's accompanied by a sudden increase in weight gain, like from one week to the next, you gain 10 pounds, then that can definitely be concerning and raise some, raise some alarm bells. And then the other symptom of preeclampsia is sometimes people just don't feel good. They don't feel right. Something feels off. They don't feel well. They can't put their finger on it, but that always definitely raises alarm bells in my mind, especially in the setting if someone has elevated blood pressure as well. We do not know the exact cause of preeclampsia. Whoever figures out what causes preeclampsia is going to win a Nobel Prize for medicine, but we believe that it's related to inflammatory issues that happen in the placenta, which can cause it to not develop properly. And when it doesn't develop properly or it's not functioning as well as it could, then that can lead to inadequate blood, oxygen, and nutrient supply to the baby, which then in turn leads to growth restriction where the baby doesn't grow as much. It can lead to preterm birth. In severe instances, it can lead to stillbirth. We've also looked for a lots of ways to prevent preeclampsia. There have been lots and lots of studies done. And there are some studies that, especially in high-risk populations, things like uh, vitamin C supplements or vitamin D supplements may help reduce the risk of preeclampsia a little bit. 
But the thing that has been shown to most consistently reduce the risk of preeclampsia is low dose aspirin during pregnancy. So that is going to be 81 milligrams a day of aspirin. That's a baby aspirin. And it has been shown to reduce the frequency of preeclampsia as well as some of the related adverse events like preterm birth and growth restriction by 10 to 20%. So that's a pretty big reduction. Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual. Their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. Now that low dose aspirin should be started after 12 weeks and ideally before 16 weeks. So sometime between 12 and 16 weeks and then continue daily until delivery. If you are beyond 16 weeks and you realize after listening to this episode that you probably should be on a baby aspirin, then it's still fine to start it. But we know that the benefits are best when it's started between 12 and 16 weeks. In the United States, we do low dose aspirin. That's 81 milligrams per day. Sometimes people will say if you're a particularly high risk, do two doses or two um, baby aspirin a day, I should say. And there are some studies that show that different doses of aspirin are effective. The actual ideal or best dose for aspirin during pregnancy actually has not been well established, but there's definite evidence that low dose aspirin works and it's easy, it's readily available. But you might find some doctors who say that you should take two baby aspirin a day. That's not um, unheard of and not inappropriate based on the data that's out there. So who should take low dose aspirin or aspirin during pregnancy? So if you have one or more of the following risk factors, then you should be taking a baby aspirin during pregnancy. If you have a personal history of preeclampsia, if you're carrying more than one baby, so twins, triplets, or et cetera, if you have high blood pressure that was present before pregnancy, so chronic hypertension, even if you are not taking medication for that blood pressure during this pregnancy, you should be on a low dose aspirin. If you had diabetes that was present before pregnancy, whether that's type one or type two, you should be on a low dose aspirin. If you have kidney disease or an autoimmune disease like lupus, antiphospholipid antibody syndrome, rheumatoid arthritis, then you should be on a low-dose aspirin during pregnancy. So just one of those things qualifies you to take it. History of preeclampsia, carrying more than one baby, 
high blood pressure that was present before pregnancy, diabetes before pregnancy, kidney disease, or autoimmune disease. Now, if you have two or more of the following risk factors, and I think a good number of our population or a good number of people will fall into this category, then you should also be taking a baby aspirin to reduce your risk of preeclampsia. So two or more of the following. Having your first baby, your body mass index is greater than 30, so you're considered obese. If you have a family history of preeclampsia, like your mother or your sister had preeclampsia, if you are black, as and that's more of a proxy for the underlying racism and stress in our system, as opposed to like black itself being a risk factor. If you are 35 years or older, if you have a personal history, you yourself, like you were low birth weight when you were born, or you were small when you were born, if you've had a previous poor pregnancy outcome, so uh, maybe you had a preterm birth, then you should consider baby aspirin. If it's been 10 years in between your pregnancy, that also increases your risk. So if you have that and one of the other factors, then you should take a baby aspirin. Also, if you have undergone in vitro fertilization in order to get pregnant, then baby aspirin is appropriate for you. So for this second category, it's two or more of the following, having your first baby, obesity, a family history of preeclampsia, like in your mother or sister, black, being 35 or older, having some personal risk factors, previous adverse pregnancy outcomes, a greater than 10 year interval in between pregnancy or in vitro fertilization, then you too should be taking a baby aspirin during pregnancy. And again, that's between, start it between 12 and 16 weeks and take it till the end. The short-term safety of low-dose aspirin use in the second and third trimesters is very well established. And it also appears to be safe in the first trimester as well. We haven't seen any increased risk of miscarriage or congenital anomalies, but it's definitely very safe in the second and third trimester with very minimal side effects or risk. One of the possible risks is bleeding because aspirin can't thin your blood a little bit, but I've never seen that happen. And the chances of that happen are extremely low. Now I will say that longer term safety data, so beyond pregnancy and even in the immediate postpartum period are limited. So we don't have a lot of long-term data on the impact for moms or babies if mom takes aspirin during pregnancy, but the short-term data is very safe and the benefits are definitely there. Okay, so there you have it for this short episode on baby aspirin and a pregnancy. Please share this podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring. And if you think they would benefit for the, from this information, then I would appreciate you sharing that with them. Also subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now. And if you like it, then leave me a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps the show to grow and helps other women to find the show. And let me know on Instagram, you can shoot me a DM there. If you have any more questions about baby aspirin and pregnancy, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. Instagram is also a great place to get bite-sized nuggets of helpful information about pregnancy and birth as well. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favorite to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. 
Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the all about pregnancy and birth community. Now back to the show.